the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. It's Monday. It is Monday, May the 8th. Here we are, New York, 45th and 5th, all alone in my little room. But I got Sambolino on the other line. What's up, Sambolino? What's up, Arthur? How we doing? Well, I was in court today for uh, the Trump summations. I've uh, been studying the, uh, the, the chokehold on the subway case. Couple other things going on in the city, but just on a very personal note, I, you had a, a a one-two punch birthday on Friday. Tell us about that, Matthew. I Sambon. did. It was uh, very nice. Uh, I got to celebrate my daughter turning four and my wife turning. <coughs> um, right. But it was you know. Oh, you nice. stop it! Your wife is such a kid. She turned thirty-five. But okay. it was nice. 35. Look, I got socks older than that. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, yeah, it was well, very, it was very nice to, to it, and so, it's also very rare that a mom and daughter share the same birthday. I, well, that's what I was going to say. So, is that the deal um, at at Salem? Like, in other words, if you have two family members who share the same birthday, you get off. Uh, I think I made that rule and requested the day off, and Jerry thankfully approved it. Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, I had a very different day than uh, spending time with my wife and daughter who share the same birthday. Um, I uh, I was in court today. I was in federal court. Uh, I'm actually looking at some of the um, media coverage because I went to the, the, the Trump case today where um, the summations were held. Well, it started off. Well, let me set the scene for you. I showed up there this morning. They wanted to be there extra early. I got a little VIP treatment. We'll leave it at that. So for that, I wanted to be there early. And um, I um, there wasn't much of a protest out there. There was a, two women wearing T-shirts, Trump is guilty, and uh, one holding a sign saying, Takapina, what did they say? Like, Takapina, don't you know what rape is? Um, but they, I mean, there were literally two protesters, two, one, two. Um, there was a ton of media there. Uh, you know, there was some rumors that President Trump was going to show up today, but I know firsthand that uh, his attorneys did not want that to happen, uh, just because he's such a lightning rod, and he, which he is. So I got into the courtroom, and initially, and it was early, it was like 9 o'clock, uh, re- initially the courtroom itself was not that full. I'm like, what am I, you know, what I rush here for? But that's because this morning was, was what 
was what is called the charge conference. So um, both uh, sets of attorneys um, get to speak with the judge about the laws and basically the rules that he's going to read to the jurors tomorrow being Tuesday. So I'll set the scene for you a little bit. It's a large courtroom. Um, it is not Judge Kaplan's normal courtroom. I get, this supposed to be bigger than his normal courtroom. This is Judge Kimba Wood's normal courtroom. She's a really nice judge, a really seasoned judge. That's a nice way of saying she's been on the bench a long time. <laughs> but she's very, I love when I get assigned to her in a case. She's very uh, thoughtful and, and um, empathetic. Uh, judge Kaplan, not as empathetic thoughtful but not as empathetic i'll talk to you about that in a second um so the well itself so you know when they, they say attorneys pass the bar the bar is actually like this low rail in the courtroom that separates the people who are working in the courtroom so that's like our plaza college friends are on the other side of the bar the court clerks on the other side of the bar the um the marshals or court officers are on the other side of the bar. And then, of course, the litigants and the litigators. And then at the top of the bench is the judge. And in federal court, unlike state court, like the judge is really far. Like it's like the well is very big and the judge is very high. It's like a very eerie psychological thing. And the difference about this courtroom, Kimber Wood, Judge Kimber Wood's courtroom, than others is most judges behind them have like a big eagle or like a big um, scales of justice. She has this huge, it's huge. I would say it's 12 feet, maybe 14 feet by 10 or 12 feet wide. And it almost looks like a, I don't want to say like a needle point, but it's, it's a pattern with very pretty colors, muted like purples and grays, but it's just like a design. Um, there is an American flag on the bench as well but there is not the typical patriotic in god we trust e pluribus unum and you know uh signage behind it um so <clears throat> the well is pretty full the plaintiff sits in the so right in front of the judge is his team the judge's team which is the court reporter plaza college the the court deputy the courtroom deputy i uh, usually like there's an intern there who's just learning from the judge and some of the judge's law clerks sit up in the front Facing out and then facing towards the judge uh, is the, the plaintiff's table and the plaintiff herself is there um, and um, there with her attorneys, Miss Kaplan was there, Mr. Ferraro were there and they had like maybe two or three other, you know, and you know, I didn't know if they're paralegals or they're lawyers and then all the way at the end of the table is like the techie guy who like runs all the PowerPoint slides and then right behind them. Or two other tables, and that was Mr. Trump's table with Mr. Takapina and Chad Siegel. Uh, and they have another uh, older attorney I didn't know, and I believe Mr. Diorio, who is um, another person from Mr. Takapina's law firm. And then they have their own tech person. Um, and then there's the United States Marshals floating around in there. And then is the audience. And the first row was saved for guests of the judge. And I think maybe the judge's wife and daughter were there. I'm not exactly sure. I, I wasn't going to ask. Um, I was sitting in the second row with some very, very nice people. We were all chit-chatting. And during the court conference about uh, what charges were going to be presented to the jury, the courtroom was not filled. But by the time Ms. Kaplan began with the plaintiff's summation, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, yes, the courtroom was, it was standing room only and they don't let you stand. So once there's no more seats, people had to go. There's, an over, there's a spillover room. 
Um, and um, Ms. Kaplan stood up and she gave a very substantive, very well organized, I would say kind of professorial closing statement. Uh, almost like you were sitting in college and, um, you know, you were just being lectured by a good lecturer. You know, there was, I'm not faulting her. It's just a very different style um, than myself and Mr. Takapina. Um, now, this judge has a rule uh, where, like, you have to stay by the behind the podium. Now, I will tell you, and I would tell this to the judge, if I, if I ever had to do a trial before him or any judge, it really makes it boring for the jurors. It really does. Um, jurors, think about the last time, folks, you were had all of your electronics taken away from you. You weren't in front of a TV. You weren't in front of a radio. You're just standing there and someone's talking at you. Not to you, because the jurors can't ask questions. The jurors can't reply. The jurors aren't supposed to nod their heads. So you got just some people just talking at you. And for two hours. I mean, Takapino, she was an hour and a half. Joe was two and a half hours. Um, at least let move around a little bit. You know, side to side, backwards and forwards. And, you know, just give people a little eye candy. Yes, they had the eye candy. They have monitors in front of them. And they got to see a bunch of slides of um, tr- pieces of the transcript and some of um, some video and audio. But, you know, that whole, like, I'm the judge and you will not put on a show and you're going to stand behind a podium. I, I don't really know who that helps. And if you didn't allow that, if you allowed an attorney to walk around a little bit, I don't see who that hurts. Um, you know, they're going to say, oh, the microphone can't pick it up. They have microphones you can put on your lapel or there's someone like me who's loud enough that no one's going to have any issues uh, hearing me. But Miss um, Kaplan, you know, she made some very sound points um, for an hour and a half. Then they took a break for about 45 minutes, uh, gave the jurors some food. And then Takapina came out and he did his thing and he was definitely more animated, um, less professorial and more conversational, even though you can't have a conversation uh, with, with the jury. Um, and we can, you know, we're going to take a quick break, but we can come back. I can just give you a, a couple of the facts and a couple of the things that were shown on um, the video to the jurors. But, you know, I would, I'm thinking, so I typically am allowed to bring my phone into the courthouse as I was today, except this judge in this trial no one was allowed to have any electronics devices except the people sitting in the judge's room. So the lawyer sitting right in front of me, who was some kind of a friend of the judge, he had his phone. But short of that, I don't believe even the I don't believe the litigators. I don't think Miss Kaplan's allowed to have her phone. I don't think Mr. Takapina's Tech- allowed to have his phone. They're allowed to have laptops and iPads, but not your phone. I don't know. Don't ask. Um, but you know, it's uh, I'll give you a little prediction of where I think things may be going. Um, you know, E. Jean Carroll sitting there in the front row and Donald Trump, the person who's accused, was nowhere to be found. And there was a lot to be made of that. And I'm not saying that was a bad decision, but it is something to kind of for the for the plaintiff to hang her hat on and saying, well, if he really didn't do it, why isn't he here? So we could discuss that when we go back. I'm going to talk law uh, to you a bunch of the day today. We're going to actually talk about what happened on the subway and that grand jury. And I don't know, maybe towards the end of the show, we'll talk to our friend Lauren Fix. So don't go away. We're going to have a lot of fun talking the law. Are you happy now? 
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate. If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10, our very own Dottie Herman, vice chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best. Period. <laughs> so tune in, Eye on Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. That's I on Real Estate, Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. So let's talk about our friends at Connors and Sullivan. Now, hopefully, your significant other is not in a hospital or a rehab center. Hopefully, you're not either listening to this, but you have to be prepared. You know, people could be telling you, oh, you're not eligible for this. You're not eligible for Medicaid. You're not eligible for different kinds of programs. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But I can tell you one thing. The cost of health care can bankrupt you. Are you frightened about bankruptcy just to pay medical bills to take care of yourself or someone you love? Don't panic. Call our friends at Connors and Sullivan. I passed by their office on Saturday. No, Sunday. <laughs> A big office next to Geno's, that great restaurant in Bay Ridge. The lawyers at Connors and Sullivan, they know their stuff because they've been doing this for 40 years. That's right, 40 years. They've helped hundreds of people just like you, and they'll tell you what you are eligible for, what you're not eligible for. They'll tell you how to plan ahead so that you're not in trouble of going bankrupt. So you could call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. It's not too late. The time to act is now. Call Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500. And after you speak to them, you'll be so glad that you did. Your eyes still smile from your cheeks. Darling, I will be loving you till we're 17. So we got Ed Sheeran versus Marvin Gaye talking about the law. Um, now, I'm not going to say I follow this very closely, um, even though we have in our office two cases similar to this violation of, of copyright law regarding music, um, one regarding a Mr. Drake. Um, Sam Bellino, what do you know about this? You're the music guy. So the, the case was obviously against the songs we just played, Thinking Out Loud and What's Going On. The similarities between the two songs, which even in uh, a concert that Ed Sheeran performed in, he even did a mashup of the two songs, which we just played for you. So it, do they sound similar? Yes, there's the same four-chord structure found in a lot of popular pop songs, but in the end, Ed Sheeran wound up winning this case. And they said that he did not plagiarize or use parts of what's going on in Thinking Out Loud. 
<clears throat> yeah, he also said that he would have lost that case. He would have been finished because right. the, the uh, amount of money uh, he would have been, they would have been rewarded would have been uh, very, very significant. Now, what I also found interesting was uh, obviously Marvin Gaye is long, long past, but it was his estate that brought about this lawsuit. There's a lot of artists who are now gone, but their estates can continue to go after current popular musicians. And is this going to be a trend? Is this going to be something we're going to yeah, see going no, forward? Like, I mean, you you can um, you can always go. The estate can always they're they're always active when you have these intellectual property rights. Uh, is when they own the intellectual property. So. Hypothetically, when when um, Paul McCartney goes and all the Beatles are gone, someone will own that catalog and someone will have the rights, whether it's the estate of Paul McCartney or some of them is the estate of Paul McCartney, some of them is the estate of John Lennon. Um, but that'll go on and on. But unlike Bruce Springsteen, who he sold his catalog so I don't know if it went to Sony Records or something like that. No, so now he no longer has claims to people violating uh, and, and using his song. So that's now Sony's headache going forward. So um, it was an interesting, relatively brief. I think it relies on those trials rely a lot on expert witnesses. Um, and as I said, we're gearing up for one here. Let me um, talk to you real quick about um, what I saw at the trial today. Um I saw that there, during um, the plaintiff's summation, uh, Miss Kaplan's summation, I saw two of the nine jurors were sleeping pretty heavily, one really heavily. Uh, I also noticed, so when you walk into the courtroom, there's this big cardboard, um, piece of cardboard on a easel that has like all the rules of the court, and which is not typical. Usually you don't have this like big easel. I mean, it's like a three by three foot by three foot piece of oak tag with all these like written rules on it. And one of them says is no headgear is allowed in the courtroom except unless it's some sort of a religious headgear. So I guess they mean like a yarmulke. When the jury walks in, two guys are wearing hats. That is so like verboten. Like, you know, no one wears a hat in the courtroom ever. Um, and to see two men sitting in the jury box and the judge didn't say anything to them was a little surprising, especially when I went out during the break and here's the big sign saying you can't wear a hat in the courtroom. That shows you that's how much respect uh, everyone has for a jury. And actually, that's how if you want to go to the end, that's how Takapina ended his summation was basically telling the jury uh, that how we, the term he used is. You know, this is your courtroom. He goes, even though it says Judge Kaplan's name outside, which it really doesn't, it says Judge Kimber Wood outside. But he said, you know, it says his name on the door. He goes, but this is your courtroom. And I, I do the same thing. I said, even though he's a justice of the Supreme Court and she's a prosecutor and I'm a lawyer and, you know, and then I'll, I'll talk to, like, I'll highlight maybe five or six professions. And you're a school teacher and, you know, you're, you work for the MTA and you're an accountant and you're this. You are the most powerful people in this courtroom. I know you think the judge is, but the judge is not. Because the judge is not rendering the verdict. You're rendering the verdict. You're deciding the fate of this individual. You're deciding whether the people have met their burden. You're, you, and you, you like make them, you empower them. And then you try to feed them the answer. And you know, using your New York God-given common sense, that they did not meet that burden. And let me rattle off. All of the doubts that 
you should have. And that's kind of what Joe did at the end. And then he put up a PowerPoint listing, I don't know, above, uh, I'm trying to think, probably close to 20, 18 to 20, like things that just don't match up with her story or things that would cause a New Yorker to doubt it. First and foremost, she doesn't speak about the event at all for 20 years after it took place. Um, you know, and, and look, I'm not going to bore you with the recap of the whole summation, but it was very focused on two things. Number one, the passage of time and the, um, basically the fact that she didn't do anything about it. She called one of her friends and or two of her friends and didn't really go far. And in her book that she wrote, those friends wanted to only be anonymous until the New York Times was going to write an article and said, well, they weren't going to write the article if the outcry witnesses were anonymous. Now, think about it. If someone called you and told you, and it's apparently a good friend of yours, and tell them you they've been raped, and now you, they're going to write an article in New York Magazine, and you're the outcry witness from 20 years ago, would you say, oh, I don't want my name in there? I mean, that's like a nasty thing to say to your friend. Like, you're the person... During the uh, apparently or what should be the worst moment of your life, they're telling you that this is what happened to me, and now you're going to be like, no, I don't want, I, I don't want my name used. That you're, I'm the one who you confided in. So that that was there was a couple of weird points. I will tell you, Eugene. Look, it's very hard for me to be objective. I mean, it's no secret. I went to high school with Joe Tacopina. I worked in the DA's office with Joe Tacopina. You know, I know him very well. I'm the godfather to his to his youngest child. So I'm not, you know, I'm not. With that being said, I mean, we go sometimes a year without seeing each other. But um, he, in terms of sheer delivery, you know, Joe was the superior lawyer today. And that's not just me saying that. I spoke to members of the press. He, he was just more engaging, more, it was more interesting to listen to. Uh, I think one of the reporters told me, you know, he had some lines that were zingers that jurors can take with them into the jury room. And those things matter. I mean, look, the whole world remembers. If it don't fit, you must acquit. You, you can't minimize that. And, um, you know, I'm reading right now or I, I was reading the, the New York Post coverage of it. And they uh, basically say, you know, Joe, Joe says it's just a fantasy. It was it, This is what he told the jury. It was a fantasy. It was made up. But... You know, they play that video of from the campaign where Donald Trump is heard telling uh, Mr. Bush um, that when you're a star, women just let you kiss them. It's something about it's magnetic and they even allow you to grab there and then he uses the P word. Um, so, of course, they played that to the jury and they um, highlighted it on their little slideshow um and, and they made it look like it was an admission look the, the the president tells you that that's exactly um what he does to people and that's what he did here um but you know joe broke down exactly what happened in bergdorf goodman and she's wearing tights and they're in a and she's wearing a dress and tights and how do you get the dress up and the tights down and hold her down and i mean you know, look, it's it's possible, but you know, you're in Bergdorf Goodman, which is, you know, it cuts both ways. It's either, like she said, really empty and no one's around, but there's still a salesperson around. So, the littlest noise you're going to hear. I don't think Bergdorf Goodman is like cranking the Rolling Stones over their loudspeakers. 
Or the flip side is it's busy and there are people there and you're not going to be able to do something like that in a dressing room. But Joe really highlighted, and this was a bone of contention with the judge, um, before she made this claim, there was an episode in Law & Order that checks off three boxes. Number one, it's a woman who gets raped in Bergdorf Goodman, box number one, in the lingerie department, box number two, in a dressing room, box number three. So it's not any department store. It's not in any department in Bergdorf Goodman. And it's not in the stairwell in Bergdorf Goodman or some empty office, some manager's office. It's in the actual changing room slash dressing room. So obviously Joe highlighted that, but there were some objections because she said she never really, I think, confessed to seeing that episode she just was aware that that episode existed and they were like parsing words but you know joe got his point across got things got a little testy the judge goes one more time mr takapina like if joe mentioned it again he was going to make him sit down but at the very end just to show you how people calm down you know the judge said to joe kind of nicely they had a nice back and forth you know judges and lawyers and cases like this often clash and then he pointed to Miss Kaplan and Mr. Takapina, and he said, but after this, we're, the three of us are going to find some time, and we're going to go have a drink together. Um, and that made me happy because these are lawyers just doing their job. Of course, they made a big deal, the prosecutor, not the prosecutor, the plaintiff. Why didn't Donald Trump come? Why didn't Donald Trump come? Where's Donald Trump? And Takapina made two points. He goes, number one, it's a civil case. They have the power to call Donald Trump, and if he doesn't show up, excuse me, they get a missing witness charge. Um, but he also played his deposition where he says, I think this is a sick woman. She made this whole thing up. I didn't do this. I would never do this. Um, so he did kind of testify. He also said some things that weren't really too helpful to him. And, and Takapita didn't highlight those parts in his summation, but you're not supposed to. But it was an interesting day for me as a lawyer to see other lawyers work. Maybe I picked up a thing or two. Um... The judge judges the jury tomorrow, and then they're off for deliberations. So obviously we'll be following it closely. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I want to talk to you about what happened on the subway and the choking and the grand central, the grand jury. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Are you planning an event or celebration? While there are many options for catering, there's no one else that does it like DR Catering. With your dream in their hands, DR Catering can provide event decorations, entertainment options, and equipment rentals. From your menu to your decor, DR Catering takes your concept and makes it a reality, ensuring your guests leave feeling happy and satisfied. Led by a master chef from the prestigious Culinary Institute of America, it's a no-brainer people trust DR with their special events. From weddings, birthdays, and anniversaries to corporate events, holiday parties, and graduations, and everything you can imagine in between. So call 201-673-7380 to inquire or email drizzo at drcatering.com. Again, that's 201-673-7380 or email drizzo at drcatering.com. DR Catering, more than just caterers. 201 201- one six seven three seven three eight zero well you want to talk about having juice those court reporters in that boy that sounded like me in that last commercial there i think it was oh wow okay interesting um you want to talk about having juice those court reporters today uh had all kinds of juice and it's you know it's real-time court reporting so because i'm in the second row i can see the screen at takapina's desk 
And as everyone's speaking, the words are coming right up on the screen. Very cool. Uh, that is definitely not the, the, the way it was not that many years ago. And if you want to become a court reporter, you know that Plaza College has the program. They've been around since 1916, and they will teach you how to get into that lucrative profession. However, they also have their new school of nursing, and it is an accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program that can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus, campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. And Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It is incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I just mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or their School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins. Suffering an injury in an accident can be a life-changing experience. Whether you've been involved in a car accident, a construction site accident, a slip and fall, or injured because of someone else's negligence, we can help. Our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you are owed. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you have been injured because of someone else's negligence, you have legal rights and may be entitled to significant money to compensate you for your pain and suffering. Hiring the right attorney is important. The combined experience of the lawyers at Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins will be able to lead you through the personal injury lawsuit process and aggressively fight for the best result. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala, Bertuna, and Kamins, fighting for justice, fighting for you all right so you know what i did when i jumped out of the shower today i reached for my hemp leaf shea butter you know why you know what today was you know what i did today on a monday morning sambolino tell me what'd you do shave my head oh all right um that's you how know, you start the work week i usually yeah I, I do the whole thing the head the face I like to, you know, over the weekend, I let it grow out a little bit, take it easy on my face, a little bit of, like easy on my hair. But, you know, once you do that whole thing from the dome to, oh, Arthur picked up a book. We're out in Long Island that I haven't seen in a long time. It's called Dad's Bald Head. And he was so into reading it with me. And it's all about a little boy with his dad and their relationship and how um, the dad had these like scraggly hairs. I called them wisps. <laughs> and then and the son would like be hanging out with his dad and dealing with the wisps, but they would pop up. And then finally one day his dad shaved it all off. You know, the toilet bowl seat, the one that goes around my ears and around the back of my head. I call that the toilet bowl seat. Um, he shaved off that. He shaved off everything. And the kid was like all shocked about his dad being bald all of a sudden. Um, and at the end of the story, the dad gives his son a kiss on the cheek and then the son makes his dad bend down and gives him a kiss on the top of the head. And Arthur and I shared that beautiful moment this weekend as I digress. Um, so yes, I shaved the head. I shaved the face. Uh, I was ready to start the week. And, uh, what did I go with today? Today I went with some unscented, went with a little unscented shea butter from hemp leaf. Um, and it goes all over the head, especially after I shave, because I want to make sure you know I don't get any weird bumps or zits or anything like that, you know. Because their products are they come from all natural ingredients, as they have essential oils that bring you comfort and relief. Hence, hemp leaf. 
like relief hemp leaf. Um, and of course, you know, I feel like they're, they're getting rid of some of these wrinkles on the top of my head. Cause I'm always like squinting cause I get lazy to put on my reading glasses. Anyway, all of their natural botanical products are manufactured in their Long Island, New York facility. All of their products are vegan friendly and cruelty free, including their liquid black soap and their icy pot muscle rub. And for the ladies, there is the Helixer, which on the back of your heel at the end of the night, after wearing those crazy heels, will make you feel so much better in the morning. Don't remember, remember, folks, they don't put anything on your body that you would not put in your body. So visit them at www.hempleaf.com. That's www.hemplief.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout and receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. All right, welcome back. 636 New York City on a Monday night. We've got a full week ahead of us. I think I'm around all week. Um, before we go to Lauren Fix, you know, it was interesting. Even though my our, our law firm does a lot of civil work, and you know you hear Imran talking about that on a regular basis here and on our sister station five seventy on the weekends on Saturday, um, there are certain things uh, you know my, my my bones are made in the world of criminal law. So there's certain things that the pros or I call them the prosecutor, the plaintiff's lawyer, is saying in the courtroom today, and people immediately around me are kind of laughing because I'm going, I'm going, objection, objection. Objection! Because <laughs> like, like, there, there were times. Look, and I don't know the case. I was I was in the courthouse for whatever four hours today, um, and Joe definitely knows how to object, and his partner Chad Siegel does as well. But there were certain things that were being said that I, I definitely would have been objecting to. Um, you know, like when she said uh, Roberta Kaplan, the plaintiff's lawyer, like, and Mister Tacopina knows that objection, Your Honor. She doesn't know what I know and what I don't know. Um, the, the rebuttal argument was talking about Mr. Tacopita's arguments. He's like, it's dumb. It's silly. Like, just to throw the jury off, I'd be like, objection, Your Honor. That's not nice. They're being mean to me. But again, I don't know Judge Kaplan well enough. I've done sentences before him. I've never done a trial in front of him. I don't think it's a very pleasant experience. But, like, here's the um, like the headline of the post right now regarding um, the plaintiff's summation, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer blasts Trump as a liar who, did, quote, didn't bother to show up to the civil rape trial in closing remarks. Now, a prosecutor, if a prosecutor talks about a defendant not taking a stand in a criminal case, it's automatic a mistrial. So it, when she when she's up there saying, and Mr. Trump didn't even show up, I'm like, objection. But in the civil case, yeah, that it's not objectionable. She's allowed to say that. Of course, Joe stood up and said, hmm, it is a civil case. They have the ability to subpoena him, and, and they could have brought him here, but they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Uh, the last thing I'll just say about that was, Joe did show, Takapina did show some clips of E. Jean Carroll doing some of these video, some of these interviews on a podcast with Anderson Cooper. And I would say she did not come across very well at all. There was one thing she did with Anderson Cooper where she said, what she say? Rape is sexy. People romanticize rape like Game of Thrones. And, you know, I saw Game of Thrones. I don't know. I can only think of one 
distinct rape scene. I didn't find it sexy. I found it very disturbing, very disturbing. Um, she, she did not come off well. So I spoke to a couple of the journalists because I know all of these people who had seen the whole trial and saw these clips. And they said, yes, she comes off as being a wackadoo on the clips. They said that is not how she came off a trial. So compliments to her attorneys for really preparing her to testify and to be cross-examined. Because apparently she did pretty well. Um, We're going to talk to Lauren Fix, and then I'll tell you what I think. I'll give you my little predictions. But let's talk to Lauren because... Almost all of us have a car or around someone with a car. And if you want to know stuff about cars, you talk to Lauren Fix. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hello, Arthur. Thank you for not asking me about that case because I know nothing about it, nor do I want to discuss it. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a, it's a civil case. It's, it's not a criminal crazy. case, and it, it is what it is. Tell us what's going on in the world of automobiles. No, I got an interesting study from AAA that just came out that I I'm going to do a uh, report on it tomorrow. And I just want everyone to know, it's really interesting, you know, with all this cool technology we're seeing in cars, people are not interested in self-driving cars. They actually fear that. And the percentage of people that fear it has gone up from 55% last year to over almost 70% this year. They're like, yeah, you know what? I think I'll drive myself. Thank you. That's very interesting considering some of the new technology that we're seeing in cars. And I address that because I think that you know, while this technology can make you safer, like cross-traffic alert, you know, you're backing out of a parking spot, it alerts you, or blind spot detection, or forward collision warning, all this emergency safety things, I don't think people really want to give up their steering wheel and their pedals and basically no, sit but in the I, vehicle. I, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the same camp as you with the electric cars and, and all this automation. However, however... Yesterday here in New York City was the the five borough bike tour, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had to get from my house in Suffolk County to my house in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, um, for band practice because my band is playing on June twenty second, and I was committed oh, to it. I'll yeah, have to come we'll talk about for that. Yeah, June, it's a Thursday night. So um, when I got in my my car in Nassau, in Suffolk County, it said it was going to take me two hours, which is like a half an hour longer. Than, I was like, okay, traffic. traffic yeah. It was. It was almost four hours. It, I'm driving a wow. sick. I'm driving a '65 Mustang. Stick, <laughs> stick, stick. Hope it didn't and, overheat. <laughs> for, you're so smart, Lauren. You are so smart because for the last 45 minutes, Paul Luke is like, "Dad, it's hot in here." Because I had the that heater on, the blower on to, tr- to drive to drop the numbers, keep and it, it worked cool. to keep it cool. That's the old school thing: you turn on the heater, you blow the defroster to keep the temperature of the radiator down so the water goes through the radiator. That's exactly what I did. However, it's the first time I ever said to Luca, ever, it's the only time I wish I had a Tesla. Because that thing could... No, because you want to run out of juice just sitting there. Because remember, anytime it's on and you're listening to the radio and you have the air conditioning on or heated seats or whatever, you're using the juice, the battery. And the problem is if you were in a Tesla and you ran out of power, you would have to find a place to charge. That may not have been the best choice in that case. Well, so, you know, I guess with six or a half dozen of them another, I mean, when you're stuck in traffic, you're stuck in traffic. I mean, we've all experienced it in pretty much everything. But I wouldn't want to be in a self-driving car in that case either because then it's boring. At least you're moving and you're driving. Yeah, Otherwise, I got to tell you, Lauren, you, you know better than me about the clutch in a 65 Mustang. Oh, well, yes, I do. <laughs> I have one. I have quite a few now, 65 Mustangs. I've got 
Now, look, look, I know I've seen photos of them. Now, how did you know about the overheating thing so quickly? Is that just something that comes with the car? All the old cars, they didn't like idling. Even my old race car, I had a 65 Mustang little notchback. So they come three different ways, convertible, fastback, which looks like sloping, or a notchback. I had a notchback race car, and we took it uh, to Watkins Glen in the street. Because in September, they do a whole drive in the street, and I had I had everything running trying to get that thing cool. Because they just they just don't like to remember this is a different technology. Today's cars don't overheat. You could take a brand new Mustang and would never overheat. I mean, unless you're running low on coolant. Yeah, because but, you don't uh, see. Remember when you were kids, you'd see people on the side of the road with the hood open. Yeah, letting it cool down. I, I've done it. And then you're like, oh, and you can't open the radiator cap because you get a face full of coolant. Oh, that's no good. So, Lauren, are you proud of me that I remembered to turn on the heater and the blower? And yes. I am very proud of you, but you're a car guy. But it really and it really worked. It really worked within like two minutes of putting the heat on. And luckily, it wasn't that hot out, and the top was down. So yes, it, it would definitely you could feel it was hot, hot air coming into the car. But um, so Luca was like, "Dad, it's hot in here." I'm like, "All right, it's okay. We got the roof open." Open the windows. You do. We no, no. call that two fifty five. Remember that you drive at fifty five with both windows down. Yeah, there you go. And so you air conditioning. We got one minute left, Lauren. Just tell me, is there anything new in the world of technology or, or new ride that just came out or something I need to know about? I think I told you last week I drove that uh, Emeo's uh, Grenadier. Did I did I tell you about that? I was up in uh, Ellenville, New York. I flew into LaGuardia for the day. They took us up to Ellenville, and we drove this new vehicle called an Emeos, I-N-E-O-S. They're actually a chemical company and a, a computer company based in the U.K., but they wanted to do the Discover the old Discovery uh, Land Rover, and Land Rover would not sell him anything. She said, the heck with it. I'm doing it myself. So they're building it in the G-Wagon plant for the old Mercedes G-Wagon plant. And these vehicles are so cool. There's none of the screens and technology, and there's no electric. It is a real gasoline-powered three-liter BMW driveline, and it was so much fun. And honestly, to have one of those is right up your alley. Like the coolest ride ever, but the technology was buried underneath, and it was gasoline-powered, and I'm telling you, it, I was really, really impressed. So if you're thinking about you want something that no one else has, that's it. And it's got overhead switches. Like a How much does it cost? It's good. Well, we're not supposed to say the price. We'll just say it's a uh, high 60. We'll just say keep it there. I'm not supposed to tell you the price. Oh. It's at the 17. But right. I will tell you that it's pretty cool. Pretty cool piece. You can check it out online. Even Lewis Hamilton has one as an F1 driver, so that's even cooler. All right, Lauren Fix on a Monday night on the Idola Power Hour. Thanks for finding the time, Lauren. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Arthur. Take care. All right, All right folks, we'll be right back. Don't leave because I want to tell you what I think is going to happen in the Trump trial, and I got the uh, update on Ray Liotta's cause of death. We'll be right back. What does the perfect wedding entail? Just you, the love of your life, your guests, and the iconic New York City skyline. Sound too good to be true? Well, guess what? It's not. You can say, I do, with gorgeous views of the New York City skyline in the distance on board the Atlantis yacht of New York Cruises. New York Cruises is the premier, unique wedding venue. They have a dedicated staff of experienced hospitality professionals who can provide you with wedding, cruise, event planning services every step of the way. Your guests will be wined and dined on the main deck, sky deck, and lounge deck with 360-degree views of the 
Manhattan skyline. The Atlantis of New York Cruises is the perfect venue for corporate events, weddings, engagements, and anniversary parties, reunions, retirement parties, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you name it. Call 212-633-1231. That's 212-633-1231 to book your unforgettable event today or just visit NewYorkCruises.com. What are you doing this fall, specifically October 18th to 28th? Would you like to go to Italy with me, Joe Piscopo, and Lauren Fix? Well, yeah, we may throw Lauren in the mix. We'll see. We'll see if there's some sort of a race going on in Sicily. I know up in Imola, in the northern part of Italy, they have an unbelievable racetrack. But with Joe Piscopo and Perillo Tours, you guys will be going to Rome, Catania, Taromina, Savoca, Forza di Agro, Mount Etna, and Palermo. Now, I said you guys... My plans have changed for the summer, and I may not be able to get into Sicily. So there's a shot that I may make a, a cameo on this. I'm going to have to speak to uh, Mr. Perillo and see if he's got uh, any room for me. I will tell you this. Going to Sicily with a Perillo tour, it's a trip you'll remember for years to come. In Rome, you'll be treated to a special performance by Piscopo and see all the great sights there. And in Sicily, you'll really see the highlights of Sicily from Mount Etna to Palermo and everything in between. Call Perillo Tours, 1-800-431-1515, 1-800-431-1515. And remember, Perillo Tours is a stress-free, escorted vacation where you don't lift a finger. Call 1-800-431-1515, October 18th to 28th. Go online to Perillo Tours, P-E-R-I-L-L-O Tours.com and book your trip today. The Joe Piscopo Show, mornings 6 to 10 on AM 970, The Answer. There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Yeah, there's a lot of things Something's wrong, wrong with our Focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. Living on the edge, Aerosmith. Well, a guy who I guess lived on the edge was Ray Liotta. Goodfellas star Ray Liotta's death last year was caused by heart and respiratory ailments, according to a report. The Newark-born actor died at age 67 of respiratory insufficiency, pulmonary edema, and acute heart failure. May the man rest in peace. I was a big Ray Liotta fan. So I've been talking to you about this Trump trial. Um... I've only seen two hour, well, an hour and a half of her summation, two hours and a half of Takapina summation, and about 20 minutes of the rebuttal by the plaintiff. I will be really surprised if Trump walks altogether. If there's, according to, to Mr. Takapina, nine jurors, this was a surprise to me, have to have a unanimous, unanimous verdict. So I'll be really surprised if all nine of them are able to look at this woman, E. Jean Carroll, who's sitting in the courtroom every day, testified for, I believe, three days, and say, sorry, we don't believe you. Bye-bye. I don't, I don't really see that happening. Um, I do see it being in the realm of possibilities where they look at her and say, okay, we believe you. But here's the interesting point. Her attorney, um, Roberta Kaplan, said, so on several occasions in her summation, this is not about money. This is not about money. This is about her getting her story out there and being believed. So it's it wouldn't be the first time, 
where a verdict is rendered where they find Mr. Trump liable, which means, yes, we believe that uh, it was like there was a likelihood that he did this and we're giving her one dollar. So they're giving her the reward of being believed, but they're not giving her any money. Um, to be clear, the plaintiff didn't ask for money. So like in car accident cases, trip and fall cases, scaffolding when people fall off of scaffolds and ladders, a lot of times they put on an economist. An economist says, well, this person's 38, they should live till be there 82, and they're not allowed to, they can't work anymore. They were making $100,000 a year. If you extrapolate that out, plus interest, plus their Social Security, plus their pension payments, you have to give them $12,500,53. That did not happen here. I think I believe what her exact words were. We're going to leave that up to you. So I don't see Mr. Trump getting a an absolute clean pass. Um, I see it in the realm of possibilities of him being found liable, but I think the more the likelihood is that they can't agree, and that's a victory for Mr. Trump. Is that the nine jurors cannot agree? Because I heard again, I don't know anything. I heard both sides. Their closing arguments was supposed to be, you know, like the best of the best. And according to both sides, I don't see nine people agreeing. Um, Now, again, they don't have the burden like they do in a criminal case of proving something beyond a reasonable doubt. I believe here it's it is clear and convincing evidence. The standard lower than that is the preponderance of the evidence. That means like more likely than not. Whereas clear and convincing evidence is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did this. Whereas reasonable doubt is I can't give a, a, a re I, I, I have a doubt that I can give a reason for. And here there were plenty of doubts that you can give a reason for. Um, you know, a, a lot was made out of, oh, Takapina made such a big deal about why this woman didn't scream. Well, and they had experts about why women don't scream. But. If you look at the drawing, which the plaintiff put up of like where the dressing rooms are versus where a salesperson would be. Look, you know, I'm not a woman. I don't know what it's like. I know that if I was a guy and someone was punching the hell out of me, I would be screaming like, help, you help. And and it it seemed like, again, according to the drawings, that someone would would be around. But apparently, according to the experts, like it's not so rare that a woman does not scream. Um, So. I wouldn't be surprised. So the jury gets the, the verdict, the the case tomorrow. Typically, civil verdicts are rendered much more quickly than criminal verdicts because no one's going to jail, right? It's just about writing out a check. But this is not a typical case. It's the former president of the United States who's an international celebrity. Um, you know, you had two great legal teams. You had a judge that by, look, I wasn't there, but by all accounts from everyone who I've spoken with who was there, had his fingers on the scales of justice against Mr. Trump, therefore against Mr. Takapina. And you saw that a little bit towards the end of Mr. Takapina's summation when he was doing real well. The judge was getting a little testy. Then he corrected himself and he kind of acted like a nice guy. But I believe, again, this is not my opinion. This is what people in the courtroom who watched the whole trial said was that Judge Kaplan had his fingers on the scales of justice in favor of um, the plaintiff. Um it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I will tell you this. There's a lot less pressure trying a civil case than a criminal case, even when it's the president of the United States. I'm not saying there's not an enormous amount of pressure, but if the verdict comes in and he's liable, there'll be appeals. It's just, you know, the judge is not going to say marshals, you know, take charge and put handcuffs on the guy and he doesn't go home again. Um, 
So we shall see. Um, obviously, we'll watch it, and we'll, well, the whole world is going to watch it. <laughs> so you'll hear maybe before I do what the verdict actually is. Um, I believe a grand jury has been impaneled to hear the case of uh, the Marine, the Subway Marine case. Mr. Neely, I will say it again. The family of the deceased, Mr. Neely, are now out there screaming for justice, screaming for help. Like, where were they when their son, their brother, their nephew was was punching people in the face and getting arrested, going going in and out of hospitals, eating off the streets? Where, where were they? Why weren't they screaming and yelling and asking for help then? Why weren't they going to the city councilman's office, the congressman's office, the church, the synagogue, anywhere where you could get help, a hospital, and say, here's my son. He needs mental health treatment, and we don't have money to afford it, but can you help him? Here's my son. He's addicted to this kind of drug if he was. Here's my son. He's on the autism spectrum. Can you help him? Here's my nephew. Here's my brother. Here's my cousin. How come you weren't there then helping him? Now that he's dead, everybody wants to help him? To put a, a Marine who, in the, in the case most favorable to the prosecutor, held on to this guy a little longer than he should have. It took three people to hold him down. Clearly, this was not a case of, you know, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I believe George Floyd was only the one cop who's in jail for the rest of his life. I don't think there were three of them holding him down. Um, the case should go into the grand jury so that the citizens of New York could just make their decision. I bet you there's a lot of subway riders on that on that jury. I bet you there's a lot of subway on that grand jury. I bet you there's a lot of subway riders who have felt intimidation and been scared and maybe have been in situations where they wish a Marine was there to do something. Did he go too far? They'll make that decision. I just hope that the prosecutor does not what's called overcharge the jury. Say, come back with a count of murder in the second degree or manslaughter in the first degree. That would be such... A violation of of Alvin Bragg's judgment. We shall see. Uh, Tom Kniff and Steve Reiser, who are representing the the Marine, are great lawyers, and uh, so he's in great he's in great hands. Um, that'll be happening this week. All right, it's Monday night. You got through the day. We're gonna have a great week together. We got some great guests coming up. Um, I think we got some great weather. I'm excited to be with you live and local from here. I dial up Tuna in Cammons. We'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.